0: Hello, I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks.
1: Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. This week, we're going to be a little bit more on the bitter side than on the sweet side. If you're like me, you're probably still reeling from the tragedy that happened in Paris on Monday night, the fire at Notre Dame Cathedral. Almost everyone who I've heard talk about it, whether in real life or on social media, has used the word devastated to describe how they feel, and I completely relate to that. For anyone who loves Paris, who loves history, who loves architecture, who loves places of worship, or all of the above, it has been a shocking loss, to say the least. For me personally, I have felt when I see the images particularly the videos of the spire crashing down. I have felt very traumatized by seeing these images and very, very upset since Monday night and continue to, as I imagine, most people listening feel the same. But at the same time, the Notre Dame fire has got me thinking about another tragic fire which was actually much worse, that also all but destroyed a church of incredible historical and artistic value. So, of course, I'm talking about San Paolo Fori Mura, or St. Paul's Outside the Walls in Rome. Now, I have a particular soft spot for this church because I happen to work right across the street from it. And I can actually see it from my desk through the windows of my office. And I pass it every single day on my way to and from work. About once a month, I like to go inside. Usually if I, if I happen to be a little bit early for work, I will go inside on my way to work and just walk around, look at the amazing mosaics, and just soak up the immensity of the space. Now, it's not quite as big as St. Peter's Basilica, but it's almost as big. But the difference between St. Paul's and St. Peter's is that St. Peter's is always incredibly full of people, whereas St. Paul's is almost empty. At least every time I've been there, it's been nearly empty. That just gives you a much greater sense of the majesty of the space, in my opinion. So the reason I bring up St. Paul's today is because it too was the site of a devastating fire. On July 15th of 1823, a workman was repairing the gutters on the roof, and he had lit a fire to be able to carry out these repairs, but he forgot to put it out. Basically, went on his way, and the fire started burning. It was actually a shepherd who was uh, with his sheep nearby who noticed the fire. By that time, though, it had already been burning for quite some time. He notified the authorities. And there was a fire department in Rome at that time, but it took them two hours to reach the fire all in all, the fire burned for five hours. And when it was finished, almost the entire basilica was destroyed. The miracle is that the transept, which is basically the place where the cross occurs. Most churches are in the plan of a cross. The transept is the center of the four arms of the cross. The transept did not collapse. And by holding, it protected some of the art. Not very much, but it did protect most of the mosaics on the triumphal arch, which date to the 5th century, and it also preserved some of the apse mosaics, which were from the 13th century, and also the Ciborium, which is the canopy, the stone canopy over the high altar by Arnolfo di Cambio was also preserved. This was from the 13th century. So some things did survive, but really not much. All of the columns collapsed and most of the walls as well not much of the church could be salvaged only the triumphal arch and some of the mosaics and the cibodium and the courtyard by the way the courtyard is incredible it really was a horrifically devastating fire so what makes this fire particularly tragic is that of all of rome's papal basilicas there are four major papal basilicas the other three are saint peter's saint john's in lateran and saint mary major of all four of those St. Paul's was the only one that had survived intact from the period that it was built in the 4th century AD. So all four of those basilicas were built around the same time, 4th century AD. St. Peter's was completely rebuilt in the 1500s, and St. John's in Lateran and St. Mary Major, they do have some of their original parts, some original decoration, but they've been so highly restored, especially in the 1600s, 1700s, and beyond, They really don't preserve any of their original character. Whereas St. Paul's, with the exception of a few minor restorations, the additions of the mosaics, etc., it was really hardly changed since the 4th century. So it must have been an incredible monument. It was rebuilt in the 1840s. And um, another one of the small nuggets of luck, if you can call it that, is that it actually was destroyed in the 1800s and not earlier. Because any earlier... They would have just decided to completely redo it in the modern style. By the 1800s, they started to care about the medieval period. And so they built it, they rebuilt it exactly as it had been, incorporating as much of the original parts as were possible. Now, the reason I'm going into this is not to say, well, Notre Dame is no big deal because it's happened before. But instead, what I'm trying to point out is that the buildings that we love and appreciate, the historic monuments, around the world, they're not, in almost every case, they haven't survived 100% perfectly from the time that they were built. Now, St. Paul's is a big glaring example of that, but the same is true with Notre Dame. Notre Dame was extremely damaged during the French Revolution. It was ransacked, it was looted, it was partially pulled down. A large part of the building was rebuilt in the 1840s. Even the spire that collapsed was built in the 1870s. Now, that doesn't make it less of a tragedy that it did collapse because, of course, Notre Dame is a symbol. It's a symbol of Paris. It's a symbol of Catholicism. It's a symbol of France's history. But it's not from the 13th century. And I think part of what is so shocking to people when they saw the church burning, and I felt the same exact way, is here is this historic building that has seen so much and it's going to be forever changed. Well, yes, it is a historic building and yes, it has seen so much, but it's already been changed. This change is just going to be another chapter in the church's history, just like the fire of St. Paul's is a chapter in its history. In this case, it's not even as grave. I'm trying to be very optimistic here. I hope you're going along with me. I was absolutely... Again, I use the word devastated because that's the word that's coming to everyone on Monday night. And I was afraid to go to sleep because I was afraid that when I woke up the next morning, the entire building would be gone. But it wasn't. So much of it has survived. And I was actually shocked at how much. It's still a tragedy. It's still horrific. But it had been rebuilt once before. So there's no reason to think that it can't be rebuilt again especially because so much of it was built in the 1800s, and it's not difficult to rebuild something that happened so recently. Maybe in the States, it doesn't seem like the 1800s was that recently, but over here in Italy, anything built in the 1800s is considered, quote-unquote, modern in Rome. So I guess I just am using the perspective of St. Paul's to realize that a church can be highly damaged, but it can still go on. It can still have an amazing continued history, That doesn't mean we shouldn't mourn what happened, but it's really just another chapter in the church's story. When they did rebuild St. Paul's, it was actually kind of amazing because the Pope at the time, who I think was Pope Leo XII, he made a call to like all Catholics in the world, obviously specifically Italians, but to all Catholics in the world and to all lovers of culture in the world to donate to the rebuilding project. And they were actually able to rebuild it in something like 10 or 15 years. But there are some really interesting details. The viceroy of Egypt sent pillars of alabaster. This alabaster was used to make the windows in the basilica. If you've ever been in St. Paul's, you'll see that the windows are very unusual. They're a very rich, dark yellow color. And a lot of people think they're stained glass windows, but they're actually very finely cut sheets of alabaster. And the emperor of Russia sent Malachite and Lapis Lazuli to remake the tabernacle. So so many of these tragedies, good things can come out of them. I have no doubt that people around the world will be donating for the rebuilding of this church, and I have no doubt that it will return to its previous splendor. And yes, The spire will date to 2000-something instead of 1870, and the roof will date much later, and some of the works obviously were lost, and I'm not trying to make light of that, but I just want to point out that the church will move on from this, and there's no reason to think it won't be more glorious than ever. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks.
0: Thanks for listening, and please become a subscriber to the show. Click that subscribe button on your podcast app. It's that easy. You know what also is easy? Right now, if you have your phone in your hand, pick one friend, just one, maybe two, just one, and send them a message suggesting that they subscribe to The Bittersweet Life too. Find videos and pictures and ongoing discussion questions on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. And we want to include you in the show. So send your questions and topics and your personal stories to us by email or voice memo at bittersweetlife at mail.com or by clicking contact at the bittersweetlife.net. Talk to you next week. Bye.